All right. Today we're continuing book three reading. This is part nine. Last time um, we ended in the middle of the last chapter of section four, Truth, Mind, and Karma. Very deep analysis, I think, of the metaphysics of karmic law. And um, there are a couple of points before we get to the fourth section of this essay, which is on page 112 of the book three, part four, practical considerations and polarity. So this is really kind of philosophical metaphysics. Uh, I want to just review some things from um, section three. <laughs> this is a really in-depth metaphysics, and uh, for anybody who appreciates it, I think it's wonderful, and for those that don't, they won't even be here. Uh, page 111, towards the bottom of the page, a couple of points. Um, the creator and creation is not much interested in static reward and punishment. Uh, the primary function of karmic law, as far as I can tell, is to catalyze, polarize soul choice um, for its own sake. And so, <clears throat> um, karma, causation, um, and, and many aspects of personal life thereby which represent karmic return. I mean, you can say that all of life or personal life is associated with karmic return. Uh, although there is free will. <clears throat> and so there's free will at all levels as well. Um, physical motion, physical decision. Which way am I going to go? I mean, I'm uh, going to have a uh, super sandwich. Uh, but there's also mental free will. But that's also karmically determined or karmically influenced too. Like, what are my options here? Okay, I can think of three. Well, that's the karmic return of a certain level of commitment to discernment and understanding, with a greater commitment to discernment and understanding, the person may perceive six options, not three. They may, we do see more. Uh, initially, we may just be angry all the time when a certain trigger or catalyst arises, certain catalyst triggers us. Later, we may feel the arising of anger and have the space of mind to choose not to speak with angry word. Or to um, even brush away an intense emotion uh, if the mind is so detached and free uh, we can get not, not caught up in it at all. That's too karmic return for having uh, freed ourselves from you know, emotional attachment or uh, a greater commitment to love wisdom. So on page 112 there's um, a discussion of karmic return or karmic rebound and it's pretty strange. Um, four points, page 112. Such karmic return, meaning um, what Ra would call catalyst, um, upon which we work or react, uh, making experience, karmic return, karmic rebound, manifests many particular principles, including four here. One, the precise quality of the originating self-generated energies cleverly transformed into apparently external or other generated events, right? Pre-programmed catalyst or pre-programming uh, of who you're born to. The parents, um, the particular parents any soul chooses as uh, embodying certain qualities of the mind of the child. Uh, why is it that, parent, that children often take on qualities or so-called internalize, interject 
qualities of the parents and become, you know, you're just like your mother, you're just like your father. Um, it was before the parents were in the picture <laughs> that the child, now an adult, had those qualities of mind. And so if those qualities of mind are distortion, they may be not be distortion, they may be love, wisdom, virtue, but if they're distortion, uh, it may simply be that, uh, you know, the soul, the soul chooses parents with comparable distortions to those that the child brings in, developed from past lives, uh, whereby having those parents, the child, the soul, can see its own mind more clearly by uh, being on the inbound side or the receiving end of um, the parent's expression of those distorted qualities, psychological qualities or tendencies with the child's soul already uh, has but is uh, needing a greater self-awareness of. So that's that. Um, the quality of originating self-generated energies cleverly transformed into apparently external or other generated events or people, right, the, the meaning of situations. Two, various manifestations and changes of the body system, right, catalysts coming down from mind, spirit to body, as complex symbolic representations of mind and personality conditions, conflicts, tendencies, the catalyst uh, in mind, spirit, not used, filtering down to body, becoming uh, symptomology, uh, reading symptomology in line with the seven chakras, seven positions of consciousness, seven spheres or uh, planes of conscious attention, right? First chakra, body, physicality, survival, sexuality, uh, incarnative embodiment. Second chakra, selfhood, emotionality, um, personal identity, uh, self to self or mind, conscious to subconscious mind tendencies, internal tendencies. Uh, third chakra, interpersonality, relationality, group, relation to group, relationship to um, other, particularly, any other, and society, humanity as a collective, relation to of the individual to the collective, and uh, common reason, common, common logic, or concrete mind, what Bailey calls a concrete mind. Fourth chakra, um, receptivity in all ways, and, and care care and receptivity, uh, beginning the transpersonal. The fifth chakra, um, wisdom, discernment, comprehension of self, of other, and communication, and um, deep, deeper comprehension of self, other, and, and, the, and the whole. Uh, fifth tra sixth chakra being, you know, basic spiritual awareness of unity and contact with intelligent energy or access to real power um, and and time space anyway these as six of the seven chakras um, distortions or blockages in any of the chakra any of the six chakras relating to distortions in mind um, relating as the basis of symptomology in the body and how that can be known number three qualities of mind and emotion manifest and offered by other beings in relationship, revealing aspects of our own as yet unrecognized inner dynamics, needing some degree of energy reorientation. That's similar to number one, which is um, the outer mirroring the inner. But um, over multiple lifetimes, 
the um, the very specific contours of the apparently outer, not just other people and their personality, but of events and situations, um, being catalyst, being uh, a transformation of the originating cause, causal nexus or causal conditions in a past life. And so um, the person who has a lot of guilt and shame uh, regarding certain aspects of themselves, uh, having certain body symptomology and, and a certain relationship history, all of that as a reflection of the energy patterning or signature of some original distortion several lifetimes in the past. I believe it really works like that. And then those outer, that outer configuration is a mirroring to, uh, you know, our own as yet unrecognized inner dynamics. Number four, thought forms transmitted and received at mental spiritual levels. Now we're talking at a higher level of karmic operation, material or subtle, which offer catalysts to further options for just such energy reorientation. So the, the, um, mental, the, the, the issue that the, the realm of mental karma, mental karma is not just um, how your mind operates, but the range of inspiration, the um, range of free willing. How much free will does anyone know? Um, the background conditions of mind, just so, you know, like intelligence. I mean, you know, it, unfortunately, it's really true. Some people are more intelligent than others because they paid more attention to developing the mind in past lives than others. Okay? And so that doesn't mean they're better, but there are there is greater intelligence in those that have developed, they paid attention to that. And um, that too is a karmic return. And um, then there is um, intelligence with and without morality. <laughs> so some people's intelligence has a great infusion of morality and some not. And so... Uh, the the options for response to catalyst uh, are also themselves karmically influenced and determined, but not fully determined. Meaning, uh, there is a grace, <laughs> there is um, um, a, a bolt of lightning from the great beyond that is outside the um, the determination system, the karmic uh, cause and effect linkages of, of a certain being. Meaning, in certain cases, a person deserves merit, or has merit, and deserves higher dimensional benevolent intervention at, at any level, including at the mental level, in terms of inspiration, or revelation, or, or gnosis, or realization, that leads to greater freedom, and um, greater freedom willing. There's free will, and the, uh, the extent of that sense of freedom, the reality of the freedom that any being feels that it experiences at any one time, and their subjective sense of it, which are not the same, uh, also change over time and also are karmically influenced. So, you know, karma is operating at all the levels, physical, mental, spiritual, from past lives, from other dimensions, from higher self, from guides and helpers and even enemies, you know, people, enemies we've met, made in past lives with astral deleterious influence. Uh, and so 
um, the physical life, the physical environment around us is sort of like uh, an, an artist's canvas in which countless um, interrelated uh, forces are uh, splashing color and uh, manifesting uh, in very in symbolic ways the causal their causal basis um, like you know why are we even in human form now why are we not in an animal form well there are all sorts of reasons for that too so anyway <laughs> on and on and on part four practical practical considerations and polarity page 112 anybody's still awake congratulations I'll read and we'll close out this essay on uh, uh, advanced uh, discussion of karmic law, starting page 112. Along the range of personal experience, karmic precipitation, meaning manifestation from time, space to space time, or karmic coming into manifestation, that we generally class into the duality of pleasure-pain, actually serves to confirm, validate, mirror, express, and often challenge, particularly in the case of bad karma, prevailing trends and tendencies already present in the mind of the person to whom it appears. We are only being given back discreetly apportioned elements of personal mind, no matter how miserable it feels, meaning we're only getting some of uh, the totality of, of karmic causation coming back. We only get some karmic return at any one time there's confirmation there's validation there's mirroring um, there is uh, helping to facilitate healing or there's a you know confirmation of, of how stuck we are uh, in terms of <laughs> the the whole range of how we can understand karmic return going on as internal trends and tendencies of the personal human mind are generally poorly seen we don't know ourselves so well, known or accepted, if not totally ignored, by souls in 3D density fixation, meaning in space-time. The process of karmic precipitation, right, how it comes in to manifestation, serves to reveal the hidden self to the conscious self. This is both the path and the fruit of the universal way of return, meaning the path up through the densities. The return of fragmentary consciousness, or how we uh, experience awareness as fragmentary or dualistic to an all awareness or self to self or God to God little self, little s self to the big s self or little g God to the big g God and a lesser manifest light returning to the one infinite light and that's the path of return obviously, going on the axiom that quote we create our own reality is far more difficult to recognize apply and use constructively in the case of painful inbound catalyst, so-called bad karma coming back, which may be quite horrific in its appearance. For example, why was it, excuse me, why was it that Earth humanity suffered over 100 million or actually 250 million wartime deaths in the 20th century? At our, at our level of being, such represents incalculable personal tragedy. And yet, this was but the karmic result of innumerable causal sequences, some of which are significantly interdimensional in their origin, meaning um, karmic streams that relate to Maldek and Mars, Atlantis, 
um, other planets, Orion. Meanwhile, there's incalculable personal tragedy. Um, why is that happening? Going on, it's not, in my view, that the Creator ordained such primitive bloodletting. It's not that, you know, I'll go on. It's not that the Creator ordained or wished it to be such primitive, wished there to be such primitive bloodletting, but it was certainly not stopped, not stopped from occurring through intervention from higher levels of being. Higher levels didn't stop it. Uh, maybe other things were stopped, but whatever occurred obviously wasn't stopped. And yet, it did serve multiple spiritual reorientation goals for both individual souls and the entire human soul group, uh, soul group family on Earth. The specific purposes, including a needed, quote, lightening of the astral plane, as stated by Joel Kuhl, Alice Bailey, or whoever, uh, she talks about how the astral plane was transformed by all that death, uh, these specific approaches or purposes are well known by those who guide our evolution, meaning higher dimensional confederation and council. They know the value of karmic return that may be quite horrific. And, you know, the materialist can't handle this, and the religionist uh, doesn't want to think this way either. Uh, but it's, you know, the use of um, pain for the, 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 the needed karmic return that may happen to be quite horrific um, as a stepping stone to further development of individual and the collective um, a necessary experience, necessary tragedy, we can say. <laughs> Thus, and I go on, whatever comes to us is just our own face in various guises, our hidden mind revealed in form. What's been hidden is revealed in karmic precipitation. This can be considered the creator in disguise and a mirror-appearing opportunity for greater freedom from unseen personal distortions. This is hard to realize, of course, when the incoming guest, or what's coming in, is violence and bloodshed. And so, how can I consider such horror to be myself, or to be uh, a return to me as the sender, somehow, or something that I've agreed to experience? for my own continued growth and development for all. How can, I, how can that be seen or, or known when we're, you know, in tragedy or in such pain? Some people will say it's fantasy or it's blame the victim. Uh, but this is, this, this is um, the, these metaphysics um, may not be personally pleasurable, but this is the potential of truth that is extremely un unpleasant to hear. And so, how much do you love truth? Back to that. Going on. And yet, despite the drama, souls are just being shown on the palette of so-called external life, their own deeper aspects, patterns, potentials, and specific as yet unknown mind-spirit qualities. In the case of what we call good karma, Karmic law operates to give us what can be seen as congratulatory support for further advance upon that soul's chosen path. In contrast to the inherent fixity of the reward and punishment interpretation, right, that very simple way of looking at karma, karmic activity is actually intensely, immensely dynamic and finely ever-shifting, inconceivably sensitive to all minute shifts in consciousness 
based on actions we create or the speech and behavior coming out of thought karmic um, karmic causation is extremely subtle and fine every thought has its consequences but only those thoughts that are very significant or or a significant focus of consciousness and attention um, have quite significant karmic return in any way so the proper you know thought is less dangerous in terms of making bad karma than uh, than speech and deed but all distorted speech and deed comes out of thought distorted thought or thought without love light without love wisdom uh, yet it's easier to um, to heal distorted thought than uh, often <laughs> to go through the pain of karmic return from distorted or loveless action and speech and so it can be nipped in the bud in the mind while uh, it simply has to be offset by other positive action and speech when we're talking about harm done in in speech and and deed so the the, the horse is out of the barn <laughs> when we get to the point of speech and deed and the horses are still in the barn at the level of thought and uh, the horses can be healed and groomed and uh, made happy in the barn so that when they come out of the barn they don't make trouble but <laughs> uh, clearly if one has a stable of sick horses one will uh, inevitably make sick uh, decisions regarding uh, speech and behavior uh, <laughs> so uh, beware of your own mind at a certain level uh, one must guard the mind God, that was one of the primary teachings of Gautama guard the mind guard the mind and um, it's not a happy it's not a it's not a new agey and a liberal progressive teaching to guard the mind uh, the liberal progressive teaching is Crowley-esque which is uh, do, at, do as thou will is the totality of um, all that's required but it isn't or uh, you can say you know free will is critical no deed no, no doubt indeed and it occurs within God's plan <laughs> logos yes Michael Jones uh, logo logoic plan um, there is um, there is work to do here <laughs> whether you like it or not whether you want it or not so <clears throat> going on in the case of those upon the positive path of service to others which uh, this is mid 113 uh, the positive path serves the other STO. The major way of soul evolution, in fact, 90% souls seem to go on it, directly seeking love unity through truth, balance, and non-grasping for those on the positive path. The support granted by harmonious karmic inflow serves to reduce various kinds of personal limitation. It thus increases opportunity for further evolution, including opportunity for service to others, meaning any kind of speech and deed of benefit to others and that uh, increasing opportunity for further evolution to the soul that has proven itself capable of progressing in harmony not needing severe restraint for rebalancing and reorientation and so then we have the point of uh, souls that have proven themselves or us some of us or when we do prove how we may progress in harmony rather than progress um, needing severe restraint or rebalancing reorientation or correction that's what good karma is all about 
is an indication that we, um, in a certain area, are able to progress in harmony, meaning we don't need trouble to keep growing. No pain, no gain? No. Um, for those, for when, we get, when we get stuck in distortion, uh, we may need pain for the gain of soul evolution and healing, but we may gain or continue growing in soul evolution or higher chakra activation, lower chakra blockage clearance without pain, for sure. So <clears throat> it's absolutely not true, no pain, no gain. In certain cases, um, when, when there's significant distortion in the karmic stream, pain is needed for the gain of healing and soul evolution. Uh, in the karmic streams um, that are um, radiant in love light of a personal being, of a personal life, um, no pain is needed for further gain. So uh, one should be careful with that, with cliches. Going on, <clears throat> interestingly, one of the main benefits of such pleasant physical, mental, and spiritual conditions, meaning good karma, is the fact that such experiences and influences demand no further attention. You will not hear this. This is the only expression of this point on this planet. That uh, part of the benefit of good karma is that it leads to further detachment. A deeper value of so-called good karma <clears throat> is the fact that it f releases and frees up soul attention and energy for increased work on matters of greater priority than simply dealing with a current crisis. Meaning, uh, when the, the, there's no need to make a big deal out of good karmic return. And when we don't, energy and attention is freed up <clears throat> for, something that, for something that is important to uh, pay attention to, whatever it may be. And so <clears throat> there's a um, freeing of mind, intrinsic to doing good. Merit frees, right? The truth shall set you free. Virtue shall, shall help you set yourself free. Uh, the virtue of honesty and a mind committed to truth, that virtue leads to good karma or karmic return, harmonious karmic return, that increases um, freedom in mind and leads to the self appreciating greater freedom, detachment, non-attachment, non-harming, non-grasping, non-aversion, uh, outside the three poisons. Uh, the very quality of harmonious karmic return uh, eases the mind to further grow and heal and be able to help others as well. Going on, various forms of so-called good karma obviously feel like some kind of reward and generally elicit pleasure or happiness, but in actuality, the matrix of such august conditions is simply the removal of potential obstacles. The dispensation of such conditional harmony, right? It's not unconditional, it's conditional. It comes and goes. The dispensation or the disposition or the arrival, the experiencing of such conditional harmony was never meant to become a stopping point upon the ageless path of ceaseless growth. It's only humanity which sees life through the lens of corporeal identification, body-mind identification, or body-personality identification. It's only thus, when we do that, which, or when we 
do that, we interpret karma in static terms, implying some kind of final resting place, right? Go to heaven at the right hand of Jesus forever. Go to hell in the fires forever. This is completely wrong. When seen this way and not developed, uh, such good karma or good karma always ends up to be the precursor for a new phase of hardship. <laughs> Bad karma. <clears throat> um, meaning that there are two different ways of looking at that. I'm not sure exactly what I meant, but when we um, when we get attached to to harmonious karmic return, then <laughs> we uh, make the basis for more hardship in the future. But when we uh, accept our the good karmic return and continue on without making a big deal out of it, um, then we support we, we set up the the conditions for further harmony and freedom and uh, less hardship to come. But trying to make a home in karmic return, like um, you know, I'm attached to that life when I was a prince in uh, Middle India. Or I'm attached to that life when I was a monk or a nun and had such great peaceful environment. Uh, attachment to, to karmic, to harmonious karmic return definitely <laughs> sets us up for more hardship in the future. Going on, clearly, when karmic law is strictly seen through the static bifocal lens of reward and punishment, souls are likely to pause, stop, grasp at, and grow entangled in life conditions. Ironically, this involves emotional attachment to the very same outer and inner conditions that were only meant to be the basis for further non-attachment. This is quite interesting and likely represents a successful ploy on the part of negative higher dimensional forces, like Orion 40 negative, to suggest this particularly religious notion of karma, which retards human soul progression, meaning the Orion influence in the formulation of the Abrahamic religion's static notion of heaven and hell, reward and punishment, karmic progression, thinking that uh, if you do good here, which is really in their view, if you believe our doctrine, if you, conf if you agree with our doctrine, then you go to heaven forever and stay there. Or if you live immorally uh, and don't believe our doctrine, you go to hell and stay there forever. I'm sure that was Orion-influenced. And so that leads to further attachment and all sorts of problems. Because, you know, it's very disappointing, actually, for a lot of people, uh, that no solar is um, real. The astral city where you have to keep working, after you die, you still have to keep working. And you have a more pleasure, yeah, but you still have to keep working. And then you come back here, unless you've been self-saved unless you've been saved, washed in the, not in the blood, <laughs> it's a human distortion, if you've been washed in love light, if you've opened your heart and um, have a commitment to virtue and truth and honesty and, and benefit for all, then you don't have to cycle in 3D space-time and astral back and forth, back and forth, physical to astral. But actually, um, the real teaching... <clears throat> Uh, that would be very unpleasant for lots of people in human distorted religion thinking that they're going to get a static final resting place in heaven forever um, it's a very discouraging teaching the spirit is teaching on the astral plane 
for people who think that, that they're just going to get to heaven and stay there forever and do what? Do nothing? Yeah, that's probably what they think. That delusion retards human soul progression, no doubt, and is a very immature way of looking at karma and afterlife, it seems to me. Seen by another light, we can also understand that such pleasant, materially-based karmic manifestations, including so-called inner conditions of radiant body and finely tuned mind by birth, meaning people who are very intelligent, very healthy, uh, these pleasant or you know, preferred uh, material karmic returns, they simply mirror the inward grace, harmony, and beauty already achieved by that soul, meaning uh, they're indications of doing well, but not intended for attachment. This is echoed by Jesus' statement, to him who has much, much shall be given. Harmony within always generates harmony without, and external harmony is usually the result of some degree of achieved inner peace. As a glimpse of glory, some semblance of perfection in human form, or in form, and completion, primarily through the function of removing additional soul obstacles, so as a glimpse of glory and completion, uh, such positive karmic dispensation is meant to be a light upon our path, leading one on to a further greater light. From the perspective of karmic administration, the sole purpose of karmic law is always support for more soul progress. On the other side, considering those on the negatively oriented path of service to self, the minor way or left-hand path of seeking oneness through separation via control, the process is somewhat reversed. For those on the negative path, what we consider good fortune, i.e. harmonious karmic dispensation, is actually a ripened fruit that is due to their previously achieved evil, <laughs> what we call evil, meaning born in the lap of luxury and silver spoon in their mouth, um, those that are negatively oriented have gotten that by um, successful polarization uh, in evil control, domination, and all that. Well-proven service to self on that path leads to the karmic experience of greater opportunity to continue such negativity. That's straight from the raw material. Regardless of path, harmonious karmic downflow results from efficient use of catalyst. That's the point. Granting those on either path a platform for quickened evolution and further progress according to their own chosen orientation. Successful evil, so-called, and successful good, or virtue, both result in the karma of having an easier time in continuing along by either evil or good, meaning separation, control, or love, unity. Thus, successful use of catalyst on the negative path reaps fruit to the conqueror, which may be seen as a karmic, quote, reward that facilitates or supports even greater negativity. Those at a high level on the negative path may be born with a hardy constitutional strength of body and a grace of body, respectively for men and women. This serves the purpose of further pulling in other souls to better dominate them, right? The, um, you know, um, seductress, the oh, alluring seductress and the um, hale and hardy, uh, you know, quarterback who goes on to work at Wall Street and be a CIA uh, agent. <laughs> this serves the purpose of further pulling in other souls to better dominate them. That's the how they use their physical uh, karmic, positive physical karmic return. 
They may have luxurious and abundant material conditions, great powers of logic and intelligence, though no degree of kindness, well-oiled social networks to aid further power aggrandizement, i.e. the right connections, and well-honed instincts of smooth manipulation of all who cross their path, literally. Uh, that's that's <laughs> positive, you know, uh, harmonious karmic return for those on the negative path. Possession of these qualities may be considered to be a, quote, karmic return or karmic reward by those on the left-hand path. But, ironically, these conditions are highly valued by all Earth humanity. In this way, we can see how, how our world culture can rightly be called or considered leftward leaning, meaning leaning towards service to self, though not quite fully service to self. We all might enjoy luxury and lots of money in the bank. Though the phrase, quote, successful evil may seem paradoxical, from the view of higher self, it's not. In essence, what is deemed to be a, quote, efficient use of catalyst, or key determinant, which is a key determinant in the programming of karmic dispensation from higher being, for those on either path, meaning <clears throat> higher self measures the degree of efficiency in use of catalyst. And that's called making good use of your opportunities, handling crises well, that kind of thing, making good decisions for either path. Uh, this efficient use of catalyst is exactly opposite for those on the negative path from how it appears to us on the positive path. It's not quite correct to say that such beings simply, quote, need love and self-healing, those on the negative path. For those ingredients have no value to them, the negatives, on their continued soul progression on the so-called left-hand path. For those of negative orientation, the ever greater control of self and others is key. It is the measure and mark of efficient use of catalyst for those on the left-hand path and a lot of them are breaking down these days, it seems, achieving greater external, social, and internal spiritual dominance, it's actually also mental self-dominance, is exactly their goal and just what they require to progress. On the other hand, the key to the positive path is continued mind-body-spirit balancing in love-light manifestation with increasing demonstration of appreciating unity. For while the path of self-service demands deception, the heart of the positive path is maintenance of evolving wholeness, meaning greater and greater appreciation of wholeness, and, and trying to understand what that means. Self-healing by love and understanding is also an experience of appreciating unity. <clears throat> In all cases, what we consider reward, or good karma, is perfectly suited to further soul growth upon our chosen path which is a far more dynamic process than the relative, quote, getting and keeping assumed by the static paradigm of reward and punishment. Thinking of karma as a static, you know, static uh, production of reward punishment. Uh, it's called reward because it's harmonious. It's called punishment because it's disharmonious. Or it's non-preferred. It's preferred and non-preferred. It's pleasurable or painful. It's, you know, of the two worldly winds, the, the two types of eight worldly winds. So in Buddhism, there's a teaching from the earliest days about the eight worldly winds. <clears throat> they are, at the physical level, uh, pleasure-pain. At any material level, uh, gain and loss. At the uh, mental-social levels, honor-dishonor, or actually praise and blame at the individual-specific level, at the individual-interpersonal specific level 
or specific incidents we have praise and blame and then um, again personal interpersonal social collective interpersonal we have honor dishonor and so those that are um, the uh, upsetting worldly winds <clears throat> are pain and loss and blame and dishonor and those that are pleasurable are or uh, what we call harmonious or good karmic return are pleasure gain praise and honor and that's physical emotional mental uh, psychological interpersonal social uh, and in both cases um, you know there's there's justified karmic basis and the uh, pleasant uh, or preferred karmic win you know um, worldly wins are really for the purpose of strengthening our continued positive development and the negative or harmful or you know unpreferred painful or uh, disharmonious karmic returns of the un unhappy worldly winds um, are an opportunity to recorrect its basis and so we may call it good karma but beyond the comfort and pleasure experienced the essence of what makes it good is simply the harmonious support it gives for further spiritual growth and the fact that there's no there's no um, there's no constriction it's it's intrinsically expansive and spacious the, the feeling in mind from these positive karmic returns now one can use it as a basis for attachment and um, in even you know harm the positive positive you know, positive worldly winds something like that but in their own essence um, they uh, or intrinsically the direct experience without elaboration is is supportive and spacious and um, deconstrictive you know uh, non-contractive or um, un non uh, releasing releasing contraction decontractive <laughs> Uh, and so that's basically uh, support for further growth. Of course, well-processed and highly or well-processed and intelligently handled bad karma, meaning bad karmic return, meaning the unpleasant worldly winds, may also become a great support for soul evolution, which is also the purpose that comes our way. In general, the value of conflict, pain, and hardship is by its power to shatter and interrupt certain ingrained patterns of mind, namely distortions established in past lives or created in the current one that are associated with the, the cause um, uh, of that um, painful inbound karma. Thus, higher self will not save us, personally or as a society, from the consequences of our own actions, though guidance and help are always available. Interestingly, 3D Earth souls seem to require, and these repeaters uh, perpetually recreate, hardship to revitalize soul growth. That's the thinking that, you know, no pain, no gain. But that's a topic for another essay. Inability to grow in harmony necessitates conditions of pain also for growth. Indeed, and this is the last paragraph, <laughs> indeed, it is a very important achievement to recognize misfortune as opportunity misery as self-created, the experience of human injustice as cosmic justice, and personal limitation as a wide open door to deep mind transformation. And I'll say it again. 
indeed it is in my opinion, a very important achievement to recognize misfortune as opportunity, misery as self-created, the experience of human injustice as a cosmic justice, and personal limitation as a wide-open door to deep mind transformation. Of course, these are lovely phrases, but hard to realize amidst the intensity of disharmonious experiential catalyst. As Ra once said, 3D human life provides, quote, an adequate heaven and then more than adequate hell, end quote. And so let's create more heaven. <laughs> and that's the basis of, uh, that's the mm, motivational basis um, for virtue <laughs> and uh, love wisdom, which is uh, it helps us to walk in green, blue, indigo. Uh, and knowing what that's all about is critical. Four, 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 four. Oh, the recording just says. That's nice. And four is the number of Earth, the square. Uh, particularly the fourth card. Um, what? The Empress. Um, experience of mind. <laughs> uh, you can say that human incarnation is um, an experience or the experience of mind. Meaning, uh, our interpretation of um, everything. <laughs> interpretation of embodiment, interpretation of mental process, interpretation of social uh, reality, the, the, the reality of collective humanity, whether it's a friend or a family, interpersonality or groups, uh, our experience or interpretation of what we consider the true spiritual view or any spiritual experience or multidimensional experience we have, the deep uh, self, self axis, meaning conscious mind to total beingness, um, all of that is the experience of mind. It's all in your mind. It's all your mind. Your mind is the mind, or an aspect or a focalization of the mind, or logoic mind, or what? <laughs> Intelligent infinity, or infinite awareness, yeah? We are focalized aspects of logoic infinitude. The the separative self is a a focalized and you know an apparently experientially limited focused uh, experience um, whose nature you know an a limited experience of infinity or love light infinitude or absolute creator infinitude intelligent infinity the one infinite uh, experienced in ever shifting uh, vehicles of body mind spirit seven chakra seven energy fields in the octave the vehicle of Godhead is the apparently separate self and you know um, virtue in speech and action uh, that which is imbued with green-blue, or receptivity, care, wisdom, clarity, honesty, truth, uh, brings more of it in kind, um, changes, affects the field, all that we, all that, uh, all, all of, all, all that we create, thoughts, and speech, and physical deed, um, is radiatory, is um, manifesting 
is uh, causally creative or creative at multiple levels simultaneously, physical, emotional, mental, seven-dimensionally, simultaneously, and <clears throat> uh, establishing karmic streams that come back to us as the creator of thought, word, and deed, uh, in forms resonant with the qualities of mind by which they were initially created and expressed. So, uh, we create thought, we express it in word and deed, and decision, basically decision that leads to word and deed, that is uh, causic, causally, uh, is karmically causative to effects and results, uh, and um, human life is an experience of um, uh, a so-called external environment reflecting the qualities of its creator. <laughs> you, <laughs> you are the creator of uh, the uh, of the experience of mind. So all that we all that we call a life uh, at all these so-called different levels, right? The seven chakras, different levels: physical, emotional, mental, spiritual physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, individual, interpersonal, collective, systemic, interdimensional, inter, you know, uh, inter-metaphysical, uh, <laughs> between multiple metaphysical uh, systems, even. Uh, all that is experienced in the mind. And karma is basically um, the way intelligent energy um, self-creates and self-interacts. It's all intelligent energy. It's all vibrating. It's all vibratory dancing thought, dancing light, dancing intelligent energy, vibratory, you know, vibratory infinity, uh, apparently finite uh, vibration whose nature is infinity. And um, when we have difficulty or when trouble comes at any level, uh, it's an indication that more work is needed. <laughs> and when something positive uh, happens or comes or conditions that we enjoy, uh, it's just, at best, further support for further development. And um, there is no final rest, you know. The, the man of sorrows has no place to rest his head. Uh, the true man without rank is formless and brisk and lively and never... You know, Gautama uh, Lynchy said, you know, if you look for the the truth or the absolute in motion, then it becomes motionlessness, or you you it escapes into a, a silence, and if you look for it in silence, uh, it moves and becomes motion, and so there is no condition or experience of mind of a being in all the seven dimensions uh, that. Uh, doesn't change. It's all anicca, and thus anatta, uh, and thus dukkha, uh, and that's why Gautama, you know, compared the uh, existence or samsara or the thirty-one planes to a burning house. <laughs> Better to get out, and um, yet, you know, there's uh, ever-present dukkha or stress or dissatisfactoriness and ever-increasing freedom and happiness as well uh, as we ascend up the dimensions or continue transformation of mind-body-spirit. And the way that happens is karma. <laughs> the way that happens is uh, cause-effect 
uh, cycling, the cycles of cause and effect or causality. And so um, an adequate heaven and a more than adequate hell can be seen in evidence uh, in human society and our own personal experience. And um, whether we like it or not, misfortune is opportunity, misery is self-created, as well as joy and happiness and love and fine relations. And human injustice, which is abundant, abundant, abounding, um, is from a multidimensional perspective, karmic, uh, karmic or cosmic justice, yes, because, um, because um, causality is, is, is of the logos, you know? Causality and free will is of the logos. It's um, the infinite one seeking the, its, its own continued evolution and experience of uh, the approach to, inf to infinity. And so, you know, what's, what seems very unfair, what is totally unfair in, in the human perspective of a single lifetime, uh, occurs within a larger perspective, a larger sweep of past, present, future lives and multidimensional uh, beings and um, processes and goals and intentions and purposes and design. And then finally, personal limitation as a wide open door to deep mind transformation. So that's the point here, is uh, helping us to keep our doors to self-transformation, doors of perception, what we see, and how what, what is um, within our field of awareness, increasing our field of awareness, increasing awareness, and then increasing... Um, uh, maturity in the direction of our attention, right? The the direction of will, the direction of attention, same. Ra talked about um, acceptance of self, forgiveness of self, and the direction of the will, right? We know, know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. Know yourself, 5-4, accept yourself, 4-5, right? Know yourself is wisdom love. Accept yourself is love wisdom. Become the creator is <laughs> what uh, indigo blue green blue green indigo union yeah something like that become the creator become what you are fully but beyond that phrase there's also the phrase that the way to the disciplined personality or the magical personality is acceptance of self forgiveness of self and direction of the will acceptance of self includes knowing self forgiveness of self integrates self-knowing self-accepting and um, some trusting uh, faith and multi-dimensional experience, um, appre appreciation of perfection, uh, even though it's terrible what I did or what you did or what they did or what happened, uh, it's all within, infant, within logoic love. <clears throat> it's all within cosmic plan, divine plan. And, and at a certain level it had to be. <clears throat> and that's not good, but there is a kind of divine justice there too. And that's partly, I think, the basis of true forgiveness. And then direction of the will. Direction of the will is a direction of attention. Direction of attention means values and priorities. What are your values? What are your priorities? To what do you pay most attention? To what do you pay less attention? And the evolution of that, those values over time. <clears throat> today I take good care of myself and I eat well 
Yesterday, I didn't give a damn. Why? Because somehow I realized this is important when I thought it wasn't before. Why? Because I experienced painful karmic return from not having valued it properly before. Something like that. And so, direction of the will is the wise direction of attention, which is um, a manifestation of our own value system. Priorities. What do we value? What do we devalue or value less? And that um, is really what runs the show. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, mind is the basis of uh, thought, and, uh, is the basis of um, speech and deed. Yes, thought, word, and deed. Thought formulates the basis of the expression into thought, into word and deed, speech and physical action, okay? <clears throat> What's the basis of thought? The basis of thought is the direction of attention. <laughs> Meaning, you think, uh, we think what we've been paying attention to. What we don't know, we don't think. <laughs> Obviously, if he doesn't know it, it's because he ain't thinking it. <clears throat> so you think it because you have some knowing of it, and that thinking may lead to further knowing, because you care, because you want it. We think in the direction, or we direct attention, in line with our value, <clears throat> in, in, in line with what we value. Our values include what we value and don't value, higher, greater, lesser values, what we great, what's more highly valued, what's less so valued. That's where we think. And that is a direction of attention. And that leads to the formulation of thought. And that leads to speech and behavior. And that leads to significant karmic seeding or causation of uh, what, what karmic streams are set into motion by the word and deed. Coming from the thought. <clears throat> coming from the motivation or in the value system. And uh, values and motives are critical. Intentions, values, motives. Right? Values, intentions, and motives. Uh, very critical core beliefs themselves that undergird thought, specific lines of thought and ways of thinking come out of core beliefs. Those core beliefs themselves come out of uh, or, or are the product of specific uh, attention paid to particular ways of thinking or view. And that itself is, is the result of motivation or is a product of motivation or intention. And so, you know, look to the left, you feed the left. Look to the right, you feed the right. Uh, think about uh, pain, you'll be focused on pain. Um, pay a lot of attention to, you know, focus on self-pity. Dr. Louise had this. He'd make a big deal out of his pain, stuck in self-pity, um, going round in circles. And then uh, when that thought goes to a certain point, um, physical illness will happen because he's been stuck in self-pity, which has a certain physiological effect. Likewise, um, anybody who's here, all ten people listening, um, you, you care to know cosmic principles, spiritual principles, principles of, of life and transformation. Not just platitude, not just catchy phrase, not just feel-good social grouping, but principles, metaphysical principles of how we self-transform. <laughs> that's great. And so that's coming up close to the top of the mountain uh, of mind, of understanding the basis of transformation, conceptually. Very important. And so 
motivation runs the day, runs the show. The engine of evolution is desire. Yeah, desire is will. Uh, it's a, a crystallization or a personification, a contraction of divine will or, you know, the law of free will, the first law. And so what you, what you, your, your scale, our scale of values, our spectrum of values determines where we pay attention. And where we pay attention is where we energize, what we energize. Energy follows thought. And so as we focus attention in certain ways, that um, area, th those uh, fields of thought are stimulated and developed. And that's how people become virtuous. And that's how people become vicious. And that's how people polarize on either path and depolarize on either path because they've been focused in a direction that leads to that. Uh, so values are critical. Anyway, <laughs> so underneath karmic law, we come to personal values. And personal values basically determine the direction of attention. And the direction of attention determines core beliefs and mind patterns and the whole condition of uh, chittakash. And then that determines speech and action, physical behavior. Uh, and that leads to significant karmic karmic seeding. So, let's create more heaven. <laughs> let's value, let's wisely value what's truly important and beneficial for ourselves, and then others too. Truly valuing what's beneficial, and truly recognizing what's harmful. Um, seeing that clearly, we will increasingly higher, increasingly value what is beneficial to self and other, and increasingly devalue or move away from patterns of mind and behavior and speech that are harmful to self and other. And that, that is Logos. That is uh, the infinite creator in the form of reason and clear thinking <laughs> and um, uh, divine principles as best we can understand as the basis of self-transformation. So, next week uh, we may indeed go into the Deborah Lindemann interview, which was um, done a number of years ago. You can find it at a much earlier point in the book in chapter, section one, Wanders, UFO and ET Groups. Interview with Deborah Lindemann, Abduction and ET Contact. So, uh, Get your tape recorders ready, uh, those in the intelligence services, and um, you can have you can learn about your own fate as well. So, <laughs> brushed away. Um, thank you for listening. I hope this talk on karma that really comes down to um, the value of paying attention to values, <laughs> the value of careful values of spiritually, uh, of truth-based values. And um, reality-based um, direction of attention. Paying attention to what's really helpful and good and beneficial and acknowledging what isn't and focusing on where benefit will come, where there is benefit and uh, moving away from where there's harm in terms of how we direct our mind 
uh, to what we uh, pay attention and give energy. And that that is um, the same as Ross saying, you know, love is the greatest protection. But it isn't uh, sentimental love. It's true green, blue, blue, green. And you got to know what those are all about. So thank you for listening. I hope you're well. See you next time. And good night.